Well, hello. Once again, I am thankful that you have joined me for another period of, of studying the Bible. I've uh, tried to offer at least one lesson every week for, for our Marcel members and for any of my friends that might want to, to be a part of this. Uh, we, we wish that we could be together, and so far, uh, our elders for us at Mars Hill have decided that we're going to wait at least one more week before we uh, try to assemble once again. So in the meantime, I, I hope this is a helpful series. Uh, today, a hopeful lesson. I hope, I hope that the lesson is good for you. And so I'm glad that I can, can be able to, to present God's Word in this way in the absence of being in the pulpit. I long to be back in the pulpit once again, but until we meet again uh, in that way, we'll, we'll do our very best. So I, again, thank you for, for being with me, for being a part of this. Um, today we uh, continue our series that we've been going through, The Family of God. I chose a few weeks back not to try to continue any of the things that we had been studying in our, our group meetings, but to do something different for this and, and maybe for a different audience, hopefully for a different audience in some ways, um, and hopefully it's something that's helpful. But the family of God, we've been talking about the family of God. We've talked about how we are a part of the family of God. We talked about how we become a part of the family of God. And right now we're talking about growing the family of God. That's an important aspect of Christianity is making sure that this family grows. Um, any successful family, I guess, if you were to think of, of what parents might see as, as successful, you think of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and so forth. I, I don't know of any of us that that don't long for that at some point in our lives, uh, one way or another. Um, and, and in the same way, whenever we look at the family of God, we want the family to grow. We want the family to to expand, and we want to add new members to that family. Well, the only way to do that is by spreading the gospel. And so that's what we're talking about, spreading the gospel. And even in a time of difficulty such as this, we can still spread the gospel. We have great opportunities, especially by way of internet and, and other means as well, in which we can spread the gospel to those who, who have never heard. And I know that every one of us knows at least one person who has never heard the gospel preached or, or does not know what is required of them to be a part of the family of God. They don't know what it's like. They don't know what it's all about. And so, in light of that, I hope that we are spreading the gospel to a people that, that, that really needs it, to a world that really needs it, uh, especially in, and we all often talk about the darkness of the world, and it's dark for various reasons. It's dark because of ignorance. It's dark because of rejection. It's also dark because of some of the things that we face in this world. Uh, some of the things that surround us, especially during this time of a pandemic, we see darkness because people don't know God in this time. It is one of the greatest reasons that it is so dark. Uh, 
even despite the sunlight uh, around us and, and even outside today, uh, despite all of that, there are so many people that live their lives in darkness. And it's up to us to bring them into the light, to share the light of Christ with them because that's what we want to do. Because that's what we need to do. And so we, we find that a very important thing as far as Christianity is concerned. Uh, before we really get into our lesson, uh, I'd like for us to begin with a word of prayer. Who would? Let's bow. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing that you've given to us. and We thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ability that we have to study together to, to grow in our understanding and, and grow in our respect of, of what you have commissioned us to do. Our responsibilities as Christian to spread the gospel to the world. We, we know that, that it wasn't meant to remain within four walls. And so we, we want to take the, the gospel to the world, a world that desperately needs it. We pray for your strength. We pray for courage. We pray for guidance as we do so and help us to, to be the Christians, to be the example that you want us to be. Help us to, to, to strive with each day to grow and to be better, to be stronger than what we ever have been. We pray that you would help us as we encourage others, help us to, to again, have the courage to do so. And Father, help us to recognize the reason that we have the gospel in the first place. We are thankful for your son, for his sacrifice, and for what he did on our behalf to save us from our sins. And we pray, Father, that you would help us as we spread this message with the world, this good news. It is so good. It saved us, and it can save others, and help us to, to share that. And we pray, Father, that you would bless us now in our study, and bless all those who are are sick or afflicted in some way, those who are suffering, we pray that you would be with them, that you would provide comfort for those that have lost loved ones. And, and we pray, Father, that you would, would always be with us, no matter what we may face. It is through Jesus that we humbly pray. Amen. All right. As we get into our, our lesson for today, we're actually picking up with the, the tail end of what we discussed last week. I meant this to be one lesson. And um, maybe I got a little carried away in, in the presentation. But anyway, we're going to pick up where, kind of where we left off. I'm going to try to bring you up to that point for those that weren't with us last week. Uh, we're talking about spreading the seed. And we began in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. And here we read, uh, this is following the death of Stephen. Uh, Saul was consenting to his death. Saul, who we also know... Uh, as Paul, more so as Paul, um, but he was consenting to the death of Stephen and to the persecution of the church. We see that he was a, a, a leading force in the perse persecution of the church. And it says in verse 1 of Acts chapter 8, at that time a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great, great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, 
entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. You would think that a great persecution would, would stifle the word of God in some way, would, would hold it back, but this persecution actually led in a great way to the gospel being spread throughout the world because people went to their homes with the gospel. They knew the gospel. They knew what they had done to, to become members of this church, and so they carried the church to their homes. Uh, maybe they talked to people on the way, uh, somewhere in the middle, and the gospel was taken to, to those places as well, but the gospel was spread. Maybe you can say it's because of the persecution, maybe despite the persecution, but the gospel was spread throughout the world. The apostles, they remained in Jerusalem, and anybody that was already there um, before, there were many that had come for Pentecost and, and had stayed and things of that nature. But anyhow, they came, and they were a part of this church. They became members of this church, and those 3,000-plus people that were spread throughout the world with the gospel. And it gives a, a good reference for us today because we understand because of that that the gospel was never meant to stay in one place. It wasn't meant to stay in Jerusalem. It wasn't meant to stay only in a, a close community with a certain amount of people, but it was meant to be spread. It, it was meant to be taught, and the apostles were the first to teach it, but beyond that, there were others that came along and also preached that gospel. Anybody who is a member of the church can preach the gospel of Christ. Again, you know what you did to be saved. You know that you are saved and you know how others can be saved. You know what to tell them, or at least you should. Uh, unfortunately, I, I have heard of, of people, mostly young ones, um, those who become Christians very early in life, uh, at a very early age, sometimes they don't really understand why or how or what saved them. Well, as Christians, we need to know that. We need to know why we are saved. We need to know how we are saved. And we need to teach that to other people, family, friends, whoever we come in contact with, whoever will listen. We want them to hear the gospel of Christ. We looked at the commission, and I want to look back at that. We're not going to, to look at the entirety of these passages, but notice that the commission is referenced in uh, at least three of the gospels. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give reference to Jesus giving this commission to his apostles, to the 11 that remained um, following Judas's betrayal and following the resurrection of Christ, the death, burial, and his resurrection. In Matthew chapter 28, one of the things that is said is in verse 19, we notice that in all cases it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. And it says that in Matthew. In Mark it says uh, to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. And we need to try to spread that gospel. Uh, that's uh, one of the fundamental things regarding this commission. But I want you to notice some other things that are said here. Uh, in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 28, 
baptizing them, go into all the world, preaching the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. They were to go into all the world preaching and baptizing people. Baptism is an, an important part of us being saved. Uh, Acts 2.38 tells us in the establishment of the church that they uh, were told, the people asked the question, what shall we do? And what did Peter tell them? Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That was the reason, that was the purpose, for the remission, for the forgiveness of sins. But they had to, in order to receive that forgiveness, repent and be baptized. And in that same way, that's exactly what Jesus told the apostles whenever they went about preaching the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, that's the same thing. Uh, but being baptized in His name. Not only that, but teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Uh, again, one of the, the interesting things that I have learned, uh, I guess, in the last couple of years is that there are certain commands that I cannot do. I can observe them, but I can't necessarily do them. And the example that I gave is in husbands and wives. Husbands are commanded to, to love their wives, even as Christ loved the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. And we need to do that. Wives can't do that, but husbands can. And in that case, wives are to observe that command. And in the same way, uh, wives submit to your husbands. Well, husbands can't do that, but wives can. And so husbands are to observe that command, the importance of that command that is given to wives. So there are certain things that maybe I cannot do, but are commanded by God, and they are to be observed in all cases, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So anything that we are taught by the apostles, we know comes from God. In Mark chapter 16, and in verse 16, another thing that we find out about this commission is who can be saved. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Must believe and you must be baptized in order to be saved. But, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Why is he condemned? Well, he never obeyed. Never believed to the point of obedience. Uh, so if we don't believe, then that kind of puts a stop to everything. But we recognize that he who believes and is baptized will be saved. So that's important also. In Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49, this is a, a lesser known rendering of the Great Commission. But something that is said in verse 46 of Luke 24, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary, for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. It was necessary that Jesus do what he did. The sacrifice that he made, it was necessary for him to make that sacrifice. And in verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name 
to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. It was the intent from the beginning that this gospel, once it was established, once Jesus had, had suffered and, and died in the way that he did, and, and had been resurrected from the dead, that he would teach his apostles, his disciples, those that followed him, to carry that gospel into the world. That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Well, how does that come about? Belief and baptism. Belief, repentance, baptism for the remission of sins, those things are necessary in our obedience. And Acts kind of puts all of this in perspective as far as the commission. The apostles were told certain things. One of the things that is said in verse 49 of Luke 24 is that they should tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Well, they did. They tarried in Jerusalem and they, they, they had this great experience. In Acts chapter 1, we read about it in verses 6 through 8. Um, let's pick up with verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The gospel um, came in great power, and thus the, the church was established by the things that they had been taught and, and through the Holy Spirit. It was a, an awesome experience, no doubt. Uh, Peter preached this great sermon that we read about in Acts chapter 2. He concluded with, with really the point that, that they had, had put Jesus to death. The one who was the, um, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's found elsewhere in Scripture, I believe in Hebrews. Um, but Jesus, they had put him to death. And so now they know this. And now they know um, what they need to do to, to change in order to be a part of this church. So we have the importance of the commission in that regard. Uh, the question is raised, uh, are only the apostles given this commission? There are some that believe that, and I do not believe that. Uh, for instance, there are some of the apostles that were not present, or at least they were, we were not told. Um, in Matthew chapter 28, it says that the 11 were present when this commission was given. And so that they were to, to go out into the world, but also uh, those that were added to them later, such as Matthias, who replaced Judas. We know that, that he too went about spreading the word, spreading the gospel. Uh, that was important. Uh, Acts chapter 1, uh, especially verses 21 and 22. Therefore of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection and that was matthias verse 26 they cast their lots and the lot fell on matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles do you think he was exempt from carrying out this commission to be given to the other apostles certainly not and Paul too. Paul was added as, as an apostle born out of due time, as he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
and verse 8. Uh, after that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. Paul was also one of the apostles. And do you think he was exempt from this commission? He was not. So just keeping it in a box and saying that the eleven are the only ones responsible for carrying this gospel to the world, I would beg to differ based on this understanding that other apostles came after. And not only that, but, but even with the death of the apostles, the gospel is still meant to go into all the world. And so we have a responsibility to carry the gospel into the world. I want to spend the rest of our time with the, really the crux of, of this lesson. What is expected of us today? Because it is important that we recognize what is expected of us as Christians. If we do not understand what is expected of us as Christians, then obviously we can't fulfill what is expected of us as Christians. So when we look at this commission, how does the commission apply to us today? To you, to me, how does it apply to us? Let's look at how other Christians were encouraged. For instance, how Paul encourages Christians in Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's look at verses 18 through 20. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself for not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I want you to notice especially what is said in verse 20. Verse 20. This again is said to those in Corinth, those who were Christians in Corinth. Paul says here, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. He's not talking about just the apostles and himself. We as Christians, those in Corinth, those elsewhere, we are ambassadors of Christ. All Christians are to follow this example, serving as ambassadors of Christ in the world we live in. To our close neighbors, to relatives and friends, as well as those in far reaches of the earth. We are to carry the gospel into the world. We are Christ's ambassadors. So if you need responsibility, that's what you're looking for, then we find that right here as Christians, we are responsible for carrying the gospel into the world. We must also recognize the need of the world to hear the gospel, that they too might be saved. We all have friends and loved ones that need the gospel. And not only that, but we have the gospel. We have it recorded as, in the form of Bibles, 
uh, we have God's Word, the Scriptures, that we can open up and read. It's, it's even written out in our language so that we can understand it. And it's on such a level that, that almost anyone of understanding can understand the Gospel, or at least the basics of the Gospel. doesn't mean that we completely understand everything, but it does mean that we understand what we need to do to be saved, and what others need to do to be saved, and we know what we can do, know what we need to do. And we do that. At least I hope we do. But we know what is necessary, what was necessary, for the forgiveness of our sins. And the same is true for all those around us. We know that it was necessary for Christ to die. We recognize that it was necessary for Him to go through the, the pain and, and the agony that He went through on our behalf because that's, that's something that we cannot do for ourselves. We cannot reconcile ourselves to God because of the sin that comes between us and God. But Jesus took that out of the way by shedding His blood on the cross for us. And again, we have the command that was given uh, whenever the question was asked, Peter told them very plainly and very understandably, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Looking at Acts chapter 2 and looking at the church, do you think any of those people that heard that message ever questioned, well, why are we actually being baptized? Is it really for the remission of sins? Or, or is, are we being baptized because we've already been saved? Do you think there was any question in their mind? I don't. I think they knew exactly what Peter was saying. He says it very plainly and in the order that it needs to be. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized. In whose name? In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. They understood and they obeyed. In Romans chapter 6 and verses 3 and 4, we're told exactly what this means for us. Romans 6 and verse 3, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in, in newness of life. How are we baptized? What are we baptized into? We are baptized into Christ Jesus. We are baptized into His death. It's where we come uh, in the, the direct form that, that He died and was resurrected for us, so we also die. We are buried as He was buried in a watery grave, and we come up, we are resurrected as Jesus was buried, or was resurrected. And so we recognize that baptism is into Christ. We are baptized into Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 3, and beginning with verse 20, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight souls, were, this is important, saved through water or saved by water. Verse 21, there is also an antitype. The King James uses the term like figure. 
There's also a like figure which now saves us. A like figure that unto how Noah and his family were saved. Which now saves us. Baptism. It tells what baptism is. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to Him. What saves us? What does it say? Read it for yourself. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. Baptism. An antitype, a like figure, which now saves us. Baptism. I think baptism isn't important. Well, the Word of God begs to differ. Not me, the Word of God. And the same message that saves us from our sins, the message of the apostles, is the same message that saves those who hear and obey today. It saves you and me if we obey, and it saves anybody else who believes and obeys also. Romans chapter 10 verses 14 through 17. Romans chapter 10 verses 14 through 17. How then shall they call how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Good questions. How can anyone be saved unless the gospel is presented to them? Unless they have somebody to preach it. Not just someone that calls themselves a preacher. Not just someone who stands in the pulpit either on a regular basis or, or maybe not. But it's not just the person that proclaims the gospel to the church as it is gathered on Sundays, Wednesdays, whenever it's gathered. All of us are preachers. All of us are responsible. All of us are given this commission. All of us are given the gospel. We have the ability and we have the reason to do so. But how can anyone be saved unless they hear what is necessary for them to be saved? Verse 17 of Romans 10, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. They must hear it. We must preach it in order for others to be saved. For people to hear the gospel, Christians must proclaim it. Shout it from the rooftops. Preach it in the streets. Wherever you are uh, in your job, you have conversations with people. I've had conversations with people, and we've talked about the Bible uh, if it's in school or, or wherever you may be, you have an opportunity and you have a responsibility and you have a command to preach the gospel to those who have not heard. I don't want anyone's soul uh, to be held responsible for them not becoming a Christian. And if I don't preach it, that's exactly what happens. I am responsible for their lack of salvation. However, if I proclaim the gospel 
and they they fail to to heed it. They know it. They fail to heed it. They reject it for whatever reason. I'm not guilty. That's a a lesson that's coming up very soon, hopefully. But whenever we uh, understand what we need to do to be saved, we do it. Whenever we know what others need to do to be saved, we proclaim it to them so that they too can be saved. The plan of salvation is given very plainly in Scripture. Hearing is necessary. And we take that hearing and believe. And by faith we obey, repenting, turning away from our sins, changing our lives. That's what repentance is all about. Confessing Christ as the eunuch did in Acts chapter 8 and being baptized for the remission, for the forgiveness of our sins, as Peter proclaimed in Acts 2 and verse 38. And then we must remain faithful. And I hope that, that we are remaining faithful as Christians. I would dare say that if you're listening or watching that you are a Christian. Maybe not. Maybe you need to obey the gospel. But maybe it is that you need to return. If you need to come back to God, if you need to repurpose your life in His service, if you need to ask for prayers or for strength, then I, I would personally make myself available to you. Also, um, any Christian really. Those of us of Mars Hill, those of us of every congregation of the Lord's Church, we want you to be saved and we want you to be faithful. We want you to be in Christ. Remember that we talked about a moment ago that we are baptized into Christ. Well, it is possible for us to fall away from Christ. If we're not faithful, if we're not living the right way, then it is possible for us to fall away from Him. And in that sense, then maybe we need to come back and put ourselves into Christ once again. But if there is any need in your life, then I would certainly encourage you to, to make that right. And if I can help you to make that right, then I want to do that. You can contact me right here through Facebook. Send me a message. Um, or you can contact us at the church building. Uh, but we want to make sure that you're in a right relationship with God and, uh, and like I said, if there's anything that we can do to, to help you in that, then we want to do so. I thank you for your time. I thank you for your attention. Before we close out our time together, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our Holy and Righteous Heavenly Father, we come to you once again thanking you for such an opportunity to study your word and to be a part of this study together. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to take the, the message that we have received the message that has saved us from our sins. Help us to be able to take that message into the world to those that we know that need it. And we pray, Father, that you would give us again the courage, the strength, the guidance that we need to do so in the right way. We pray, Father, that you would bless our congregations, especially as we make decisions as to whether to meet once again now or, or later. Um, any decisions that are made regarding the church. We pray, Father, that you would be with our elders, not just those of Mars Hill, but our elders throughout the world. We pray that you would be with them as they guide the church and that you would guide them in the, the right ways so that they may guide us in the right ways and in the right decisions. We pray, Father, that, that we would recognize the need always 
for edification, that we would recognize the need for, for us taking the, the gospel into the world and, and sharing it with those who are lost. Help us to recognize the need of growing this family that we are a part of. And we pray, Father, that you would be with us today, that you would give us safety, that you would help us to always do your will, that you would forgive us for our sins. We are thankful for Jesus, for his sacrifice that makes that possible. We pray that you would bear us through through this pandemic, through the coming days, especially as many businesses are beginning to reopen. And we pray, Father, that, that it would, would spread no longer, that, that it would come to an end, that those who are suffering would recover, if it be your will. And for those that have lost loved ones and those who will, we pray that you would provide them with comfort. We pray again that you would just bless us always. And we thank you for Jesus, for all that he means to us. It's through him that we humbly pray. Amen. I thank you for, for again being with me today. And uh, I hope to be back with you again. Maybe next week. Maybe we'll be able to do so from our assembly. Uh, I don't know. But uh, either way, um, I just I thank you. So I want you to know how much I appreciate you, you being a part of this lesson in this series. Uh, but until we meet again, may God continue to bless you.